Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. Well, I already joked about it. Instead of War Cry Wednesday, it's Cry for Wake Wednesday on Wesson Walker Sports Radio 927 <laughs> WFNZ. That was a tough one. Clown show. If you don't remember, we left yesterday asking Wes. Me talking about it as well. If you lose to Notre Dame after the big old win, as I like to say, according to Wes, after that big old win Hmm. against Duke, then we would cry to the point where we would feel similar feelings to the San Francisco 49ers loss they suffered in the Super Bowl to Kansas City. It would be something similar to that. And it happened. It happened because this has been happening for Wake all season long. At the beginning of King of the Hill yesterday, a game that we might be bringing back frequently, the beginning, the first steps of the climb was the storyline of Wake Forest roller coaster season with pressure on Steve Forbes. How far is that up now on the ACC top storylines? Like we could begin with it at a certain point, but... You're talking about a huge swing from beating Duke to solidly being in the NCAA tournament. And that's still the case. We can talk about the repercussions that they're going to suffer or have to deal with and what magnitude this loss actually brings. But it's a big storyline today after a huge win against Duke and then a loss to Notre Dame, one of the worst teams in the ACC. How are you feeling, Wes, based off of everything as you, I don't know what's going on right now? I missed the loop on my pants. Yeah. I could see you, uh... <laughs> <Fix> that. <laughs> Ain't that serious? It was funny, though. As I'm talking about Wake Forest, yeah. you started giving me stank face and then start taking the belt out of your loops on your pants. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just reaching because I knew something was off. I was like, wait a minute, okay. I'm missing a loop. Uh, it was just more <laughs> aggravating than anything, man. Every time with Wake, when you want to get really excited, you know, something bad happens, and you can look at it a few different ways. But, you know, we won't make any excuses. I've seen people say, you know, Duke hangover or uh, just the way they've been playing this season. You know, their road record is what it says it is. And they went on the road last night. The second half, they were awful. The first half couldn't play. Uh, any type of defense, and uh, they could have been beaten a lot worse because Notre Dame had several chances to really put the nail in the coffin, and they wouldn't do it. But I knew about uh, three-quarters of the way through the second half, I think one time Boopy crossed somebody over, and then he tripped going into the lane and lost the ball, and then he had another turnover, I think like two possessions later. When that happened, I was like, yeah, this this ain't going to happen today. And it was still like a two-point game, but I could just tell the way they were playing. They weren't locked in how they needed to be. Hunter Silas didn't deliver uh, at all in this game. He certainly cooled off quite a bit uh, from the way, from the tear that he had been on. And so uh, it just wasn't in the cards. But as far as the the storyline, it's all about how they finish. They've got three important games left, and a game with Clemson that could come down to deciding who gets the fourth double bye. And so I think if they can just finish the deal, uh, get that double bye, and get into the tournament, then I think, you know, this loss will be, you know, a road you know, roadblock, but it's something that, you know, you don't want to see. And and that's the thing more than anything, Walk. You talk about that there's still 
pretty much in the tournament after that Duke win. It's just the thing about it is it, it's frustrating. It makes you lose confidence in them because you feel like they're doing what they always do. It's like they'll get a big win, but follow it up with disappointment, and you just want a little bit more streamlined success with this program for them to get a win and keep building on the momentum. Adam and Cornelius writes in on the FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610. Feel free to contribute. Adam and Cornelius writes, Wake is not making the tourney. Casey from Cherryville says, did Notre Dame storm the court? Oh, more court storming conversation. 910 said mm. Wake is fake. Coach Pauly says go Irish. So I didn't even know. I, could you hate Wake? I didn't know many people were wanting to clown Wake. It's well, not, you know, they're going to give me a hard course, time as well. It's more West Bryant hate. <laughs> West Bryant clowning more yeah. so than it is yeah. for Wake Forest. And final thing, I did want to read a couple of Josh Graham's tweets who covers Wake Forest extensively. And Josh Graham was writing on uh, a couple of tweets that he had. With Wake's loss and Clemson's win tonight, they are tied for fourth in the ACC standings at 10-7. and seven. The regular season finale between the two in Winston-Salem will likely decide who gets the final double bye in D.C. And then he also tweeted out a comment from Joe Lenardi on ESPN, quote, this loss isn't going to hurt Wake as much as it seems. There's a chance Wake could wake up with Notre Dame being a quad two loss. Wake will stay among the first four buys. So it feels terrible because of just how much on the opposite end of the spectrum this game was compared to a huge win against Duke. But that doesn't necessarily match up with them being out of the tournament. So the loss feels like they should be kicked out of the tournament, yet that's not actually the case. So Wake, okay, like we can take a, a deep breath and hold on for dear as much might as we possibly have to hold on to this tournament bid, but they can't lose again. I mean, then they're going to be going on the road against Virginia Tech, and then we'll see what they can do in the ACC tournament. Is it one of those things where if you have a double buy in the ACC tournament, it might hurt you because you can't stockpile on wins? Like, I wonder if that's something, too. So, Well, the thing is, too, man, Notre Dame had won three out of four coming into this game. They were they were a feisty bunch. So this wasn't a game that Wake should have overlooked if that's what the gods were thinking last night, too. I mean, this was a team that was starting to catch fire. And people don't know much about Marcus Burton, but he's been hooping all season. He's been one of the best freshmen uh, in the country that nobody knows about just yet. But he was balling last night, 31 points. They had no answers for him uh, out there on the perimeter. All right, so it can be War Cry Wednesday. It can be Cry for the Hornets Wednesday if you want to. They suffered a terrible loss as well. So the team that I cover every single day, they had a, <laughs> they lost by 40 last night to Milwaukee, and that score was much better than how the Hornets played, which tells you all you need to know about how terrible the Hornets were. 26 points in the first half. Yeah, that was a rough one. Start to finish. <laughs> it's 26 points in the first two quarters of an NBA basketball game. 10 in the second. It was terrible. So hop on the pain train on Wesson Walker. <laughs> you can text us. What are you experiencing pain for today? 704-570-9610. I might just get rid of the war. It's just the cry Wednesday. No, we don't have alliteration, but it matches our feelings a little better. Time for Cry Wednesday in the cubicle at the intersection, listening to your favorite radio program, Wesson Walker on WFNZ, every weekday from 12 to 3. This is how we roll on a Wednesday at the count of three. Let's all experience the pain together. One, two, three. <laughs> you better let us off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Kick it! I can feel it. 
ultimately, do you still think that Wake gets in the NCAA tournament despite the loss, knowing that Wake is unpredictable? Mm-hmm. We cannot look ahead at the schedule and then try to figure out if this is going to be a win or a loss because Wake Forest does not allow us to do so. You think ultimately they'll still end up dancing? Wild. Yeah, I think they'll be all right. I mean, this team all this season, when you look at how they've responded to losses, they've responded pretty favorably. Uh, the only real two-game losing streak they had, they had a couple of those when they lost to North Carolina and Pitt, then Duke and Virginia, but both of those were on the road, of course. So uh, they typically respond all right to losses. So I feel confident about them going into Saturday's game at Virginia Tech. And then the place where they've been magical at home, 15-0 for Georgia Tech and uh, Clemson. So you feel good about your chances there with those games being on the home court, the place where you've yet to be beaten, the place where you've led uh, the ACC in home scoring for the last couple of seasons. So you feel all right about that. I think the big one's just going to be Virginia Tech, but you also can't take those home games but granted, and just think that they're going to be in the bag. You're going to talk about your confidence level in Wake Forest in the campus corner, so I won't go to you on this. I, I won't even share all of my thoughts, but I did want to ask you, Fiddy, because I think you and I both were in the same level of agreement. Wake was one of those teams that would be fun to pick to make a deep run because they have all of the talent. When you usually look for some of these teams that can pull off the upset, they're in a power five. They have so much talent that can shoot from three, too, so maybe they get hot. There's a lot of feelings as to why you might pick them to make that deep run. Do you still feel that way with how up and down they are, um, given what their schedule has shown the last few games? No, because you look at the the away record and then the neutral court record, it doesn't inspire belief. And where's NCAA tournament played? Not in Winston-Salem. Um, they're going to be on a neutral Correct. venue. I said that this morning. And, and so I think that's that's why. They've got all the makings. Like the way that they're built, the way that they're structured, yeah, they can they can make the second weekend of the tournament. But for whatever reason, for the third straight year under Steve Forbes, they have not figured out the away-from-home issues. And, um, look, Carolina had the same issue under Hubert Davis's first year. It all culminated when they got into the tournament. Maybe just them getting in will give them a level of confidence, a level of belief they don't have right now. But today, I want to pick them, and I'd love to see them go deep, but it's hard to envision them doing something like that. All right, let's move on to some different pain. People are writing in why it's Woe Cry Wednesday, according to uh, <laughs> Copeland, a.k.a. Jokeland. Nice. I think that's what we'll transition to. Excellent job from Mr. Jokeland himself. It's Woe Cry Wednesday because of some of the painful losses that people have suffered. We also have a uh, NASCAR Mike writing in on the text line. He is suffering the Pistons beating the Chicago Bulls, and so that's a loss that hurt him last night. 412 said, hey, here's why I'm crying. Don't forget the Panthers raised ticket prices for those that are wanting to watch games in the lower level. So, yeah, that's true by 4%. Both the Charlotte Hornets and the Carolina Panthers will be raising ticket prices. Hornets with season ticket holders and the Carolina Panthers will be doing so on a much smaller scale. But still, NFL tickets are extremely expensive anyway, so it's a little bit different there. Aaron from Charlotte says, last night's Hornets loss was squarely on Steve Clifford. I really thought this was a pre-trade deadline game that I had recorded. Aaron from Charlotte writes that in. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's squarely on Steve Clifford. It's funny because we're trying to give him, what, all this credit during a 5-1, and one, and I guess dump it all on him after this loss against Milwaukee. Yeah. Bottom line for me, and I said this on Charlotte Sports Today, Wes, the best team they beat in that 5-1 and one stretch that they had, it was Indiana, who's an eight seed in the Eastern Conference. What this team had done at the deadline 
was replenish their bench, overhaul their roster at about 50 to 60%, and there's going to be a dramatic change with the team when you have that many new faces suiting up in a Hornets uniform. Now, it can be a dramatic change, and also you still get beat down against the best teams in the league. So the dramatic change comes in the form of them not getting beat down themselves by squads in their own territory, like San Antonio, who despite Wimby, who was incredible every single game, Spurs also don't have a very good record. The Pistons beat the Charlotte Hornets, and the Pistons are having one of the worst seasons that we've seen in quite some time. So now the fact that you have a replenished bench, it allows you to beat those teams, and maybe even on a consistent level. Like, yes, the defense has been rewarded for poor shooting luck for the other teams and good shooting luck for them. That matters. But we can watch the games, and we can see that this defense is starting to move on a string more so. These guys are communicating at a higher level, and it's because they have veterans who have played basketball for a lot longer than Nick Smith Jr., who's a late-round rookie, Leaky Black, who is an undrafted rookie, Nathan Mensah, who had never played an NBA game before. So the defense looks better, but also that allows them to win games against teams who are barely in the play-in tournament or not even in the play-in tournament whatsoever, and that's what's happened. But, Wes, when you play Milwaukee, I'd like for them not to get beat by 40. I'd like for them to score more than 30 points and a half. But I can't tell you that even with all of these new faces in a Hornets uniform, that Milwaukee is a team they should beat. Well, and that's the thing, too. It's like you knew at the beginning they were going to hit teams with a lot of unknown, and that was also on their side. Teams hadn't really gotten a book on them, didn't really know how they play with all the new faces. Now things are starting to settle in. I'm sure teams are starting to scout them a little bit more, which plays into it as well. But, I mean, that first half, man, I mean, you're doomed when you shoot 21% from the field and 15% from three. You get outscored 58 to 26, and this game was over with quickly. So I think the interesting part for this team will be what's next. How do they respond to this one? We know the blowout loss at Golden State. Curry talked about how they got in town at 3 a.m. and they had all these different obstacles that kind of affected the performance a little bit. That's fine. But now let's see how they respond to this. If they can come back favorably and get a win, I think I'd feel more confident uh, in this new group and and, and what they could be able to do. Not saying they're going to get to the play-in or go to the playoffs, anything like that. But just solid about it, and we can feel like that the winning streak that they had to begin this thing was a little bit more valid because if we get more losses like this, it's going to raise a lot more questions. A few texts before we move on. 704 writes in, that's right. If they beat the teams they're supposed to beat, and then uh, that they're supposed to beat compared to really good teams, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that was a text that seemed like there was a problem. I apologize, but I agree. Brian writes in, last night's game proved that you absolutely, without a doubt, need LaMelo and Mark Williams back on this team. Can these fans stop the trade talks, please? Yeah, trading LaMelo Ball, acting like he's going to ruin everything. Offensively, he's going to make a a big difference. Last one here. This one's tough. 5 for 12 writes in, yeah, I'm crying. It's It's woke cry Wednesday for me. I just sprayed gas all over my feet and legs at work. Oh, Guess I'm riding the next three hours smelling like 87 octane. Yo, man, that happened to me on Saturday. I went to the doggone gas station, and gas had leaked out from under the pump. I don't know what happened. And, uh, you know, I got out because it had been raining off and on during the weekend, so I thought it was just water. And then I stepped in, and the people were telling me that, you know, I needed to move my car because of the exhaust and all that stuff. But just the fact of me stepping in it made my shoes really slick. Then it got me get back in the car. And then, like I said, I was smelling like gas pretty much uh, the rest of the day just because of the bottoms of my sneakers, even though I wiped them with cleansing wipes. And eventually yeah, it's tough it to came get rid off. Of that smell. Yeah, eventually it came off, man. But, yeah, I had a... 
some choice words for one of the workers. Too. All right. He probably shouldn't have said it to him when he was. He was talking to me wild, man, when he tried to tell me to move from the pump. But other than that, you know. <laughs> That right. happened to me on Saturday. All right. West stepped on the gas on that person. No <laughs> doubt about it. Can the Panthers do the same? I deserve it. I'm not going to get mad at that. Dave Canales and Dan Morgan, they spoke at the Combine. We'll break down their comments coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7. It's Wes and Walker, 92.7 FM. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We have Trey Mann endorsing the station already? Hell yeah, man. With two ends. That was stupid. I'm sorry. It was right there. It was right there. I know Kyle Bailey has to be excited, though. Kyle loves himself some Trey Mann. And why wouldn't he? Trey's been very good. In fact, I think one of the more redeeming qualities of last night, and it was hard to find, Trey was pretty good. I thought there were some times where we even saw team defense. Trey was contributing. We've seen that quite a bit. And so how about Trey Mann endorsing the station? That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. More Charlotte Hornets news, by the way. It's officially official. I don't know if everybody saw this yesterday. But the Charlotte Hornets continue to go after Oklahoma City's roster and just take their yeah, leftovers. Yeah, I saw that. Alexei Pokashevsky. We can call him Poku for short. The Charlotte Hornets announced that they have officially signed Alexei Pokashevsky. He was the 17th overall selection in the 2020 NBA draft. He appeared in 150 games, 65 starts with OKC. He averaged 7.5 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 2 assists in over 20 minutes per game in 10 outings with the Thunder this season, not very many, he recorded 1.2 points, one rebound in six minutes. So I don't know if you guys remember Poku when he was drafted, but he was the real wild card of that 2020 NBA draft because he was a mini unicorn that could blossom or just be so raw that he never figured it out in the NBA. If you look at his basketball reference page, he did get better every year, but This is somebody that never lived up to a potential unicorn. Got hurt. Apparently didn't want to go down to the G League with Oklahoma City. So take that as a red flag, if you will. But this is the type of guy the Hornets can afford to take a risk on. And if they don't want to pay him, they move on from him. You get rid of Marcus Bolden, assuming so, because he's on a 10-day contract. This is That's official. It's official. Okay, so there you go. All right, that makes sense. Because his 10-day Exhibit 10 contract is... It did expire on Thursday, so you can move on there. This is a well-worthwhile risk, and the Hornets continue to go after OKC players. So, so basically, we got a poor, 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 poor man's chat, Holmgren. Maybe a couple more pours. Poor, 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 well, poor, and poor, OKC, poor, poor. This is what OKC's model was. <laughs> it's, let's just take chances on these guys that could potentially be unicorns. Like, Poku was the first one. Then they drafted Ushman Jang. And then they got Chet Holmgren, who had a much higher floor already. Somebody that competed very well at Gonzaga and was going to be a top three pick no matter how you sliced it. OKC decided he was going to be the second. 
But yes, that's correct. And then put even more pores on it if we're talking about Wimby. That's what Poku could have been if he hit his absolute top tier ceiling. But at least he's here with Charlotte and we can figure it out in 20 games and see what he can become there. Oh, Wimby. Real quick. Did you see the highlights from last night? It's something you're never going to get over. Did you see those highlights last night? Well, I've seen him every night. He's special. But I mean, I I hear you. No, he danced on homie for like four (laughs) seconds and shot that step back three. But then the behind the back threw it off the glass and it didn't get completed. But if he would have gotten that, that would have been the play of the year, play of the century. It's just wild seeing that, man. He legit looks like. My girl was like, he looks like a praying mantis playing basketball. Praying mantises are badass, too. They are. They're really cool. And he is, too. You want to hear something really weird? What? I actually know someone who, a couple of days ago, this is a true story, who's a pretty good friend of mine, but like we don't hang out a ton, but he's a real cool dude, got a pet praying mantis two days ago. That's a thing that happened. Did he give him a person, a uh, regular person's name? I don't think so. <laughs> I would love if his name was Christopher. He- Pete the Praying Mantis. <laughs> I would love that. Built a terrarium. It looks really cool. Because what's that Call thing? Poku they, the Praying Mantis. It's, it's something unique about the way they kill, right? Yes. Well, there's they're wild. They'll like yeah. eat their mate's head after breeding. It's real. Ooh. It's real weird stuff. All right. Oh, yeah. That's real. You can look that up if you want to. Yeah. You don't want to mate with a Praying Mantis because <laughs> you're going to be decapitated and you're going to be dead. Yeah. Buyer beware. Yeah. By, big time. That's uh. That's some tough SO type of things that you're dealing with with a praying mantis. So we can move on and you can give us your random praying mantis fact. That's what I want. Actually, this is gonna this is what I want. Look up praying mantises, and then I want you to text in on the FanDuel text line, 704-570-9610. I want your random praying mantis fact that you have that you found today. And then we can read those as we go on. Let's go to the combine <laughs> instead where Dan Morgan, GM of the Panthers and head coach Dave Canales spoke at the NFL combine about a bunch of topics surrounding Carolina. And let's go to Dave Canales first. Here's Dave talking about what he thinks he can change about the offense, all encompassing Bryce Young weapons, everything to do with the offense. We have some great pieces, but it's about marrying the runs to the play actions and to the to the boot game that really wasn't a focus and an emphasis of what they were doing offensively. So I think that's a simple starting point there. Um, and then just the timing and rhythm of the pass game. You know, let's get the ball out quicker. Let's get number one and number two open on a more consistent basis for the quarterback. We have to work harder as a staff. We have to really challenge ourselves to bunch, to stack, to motion, to get matchups so that we can have the first or second progressions available sooner so that the protection isn't as much a factor. Anytime Dave Canales speaks, he gives us a little more detail on what he wants from the offense. To me, it doesn't sound like normal coach speak. You probably have that foundation, but at least he details what he wants from his offense. And I like hearing that as somebody in the media and as a fan on what you specifically plan to do to improve that unit. Yeah, and, you know, he talked a lot about something that a lot of people wish that Bryce would have been able to do last year. A lot of people talked about them getting him on the move more often, whether it be because of his size or the way that he likes to play the game, because we know Bryce uh, likes to go off script. The thing that's interesting, you know, all the things he talks about, it's going to be fascinating. Obviously, I feel like they're going to make upgrades to this offense, but it's like, man, you know, Frank Reich was a really, you know, he was a bright offensive mind as well coming in. At least he was touted that way. So it's like all the fixes that he's saying, it's like, man, it makes you almost feel like what was the last 
coaching staff doing and thinking when they decided to uh, embark upon this mission that they had. But getting back to Canales, uh, you love everything that you hear. It's just a matter of executing uh, and can they do it. But the thing that gives you the credibility with him is what you've heard from other people around the league and other stops. And so you can see that kind of what he's done has worked. We saw what happened in Tampa last year. So when you hear these words coming out of his mouth, especially coming off of the season that he had with Tampa and what he did with Baker, it definitely gives more credibility to what he says. Brian writes in, praying mantises are the only insects in the world that can turn their heads 180 degrees. Hollywood from Charlotte says, praying mantises have the quickest strike of any land mammal. 850 says, if you dip a praying mantis in water, worms will squirt out of its hind end. Let's move on. Let's hear more from Dave Canales and move on quickly again. Here's Dave talking about working with Russell Wilson and some of the guidance that he received from Brian Schottenheimer during his days in Seattle. I take it back to Brian Schottenheimer when he came to Seattle and he launched me on a project. He said one of the things he did for Andrew Luck, for Philip Rivers, for Drew Brees, is before he had a chance to meet with them the first time, he had a detailed plan about how to improve the things necessary to play quarterback at a high level. And he showed me the report. He showed me the cut-ups that kind of went with it all. And then he challenged me. He said, you will earn another level of respect with Russell by approaching it from a detailed standpoint. So we're really working on that. Um, I really respect Bryce and and the the road that has taken him to here. And I want to be able to present something to him that's tangible, that's specific, and says, hey, here's here's some things that we can really dive into and improve on. Here's things that you're doing great. So um, we'll have a great plan uh, when he comes back to us in a couple of weeks we've talked about his work with baker mayfield we've discussed his work with geno smith how much are we overlooking the fact that hey he spent a long time with an elite quarterback back in his day in russell wilson well the thing is too is you like the stature of both quarterbacks russell might be a little bit taller uh than bryce but still you like the fact that he's worked with quarterbacks already that are of similar stature so there's one thing but also too when you look at um, again, just having that plan, that's so – it's just so dope to me, for lack of a better term, that he is going to put together that detailed plan. They talked about how he's watched every snap of last season. He has a great feel for this team and for Bryce Young. And I think for a plan, man, it helps because it helps you build towards something. It helps you build momentum. And then his track record, as we said, speaks for itself. So it makes you feel really great about the fact that it looks like he really cares about Bryce because we've heard people uh, and quarterbacks talk about going to organizations where the head coach wants nothing to do with them. You really don't have any choice here if you do come and take this Carolina job. But the way that he's talking, it just makes you really feel like he's got Bryce's best interests at heart and that he's going to carry that out through the plans and try to absolutely accentuate his strengths and make him the best he can be. Smitty from the city corrected me on praying mantises, land animal, not land mammal. They have the quickest strike Mm. of any land animal. I did want to get that correct. We also have uh, Sam right here in Charlotte say the praying mantises have triangular heads with bulging eyes supported on flexible necks. Beer man in Belmont says the orchid praying mantis will catch and eat hummingbirds. Oh, no, man. Why'd you have to give us bad news? I believe the Philippines is where you can find those. I also have a tattoo of a praying mantis. That man would know. Beer how, man in Belmont. How big are they if they can get a hummingbird? They, if they get big enough. I, I know you do not want to mess with those guys. I do know that. I've seen them a couple times. I've wanted to get my Steve Irwin on and pick them up, but I thought better of it and just let them be. Yeah, yeah. We'll need that. Panther Bow writes in, praying mantises are actually atheists and find the name offensive. 
That's another fact I didn't know. Thank you, Panther <laughs> Bird, for writing that in. Let's go back to this time Dan Morgan comments. Here he is talking about some of the decisions they still have to make this offseason contractually. And, of course, he tells everybody that all options are still on the table. You know, Brian's Brian's doing great. Um, you know, great player, great person, obviously. Um, we're going to meet with his representation down here, uh, get a better feel, you know, of our plans moving forward. Um, so we're going to have a lot more clarity once we leave here. What are the options currently that you're looking at for Brian? Is it going to be a franchise that you're looking at, or what are you looking at? I think at this point, I think everything's on the table, you know, whether it's the franchise tag, um, you know, extending him, tra- you know, trades, you know, there. I think all options are on the table at this point. So you guys would take calls for those who may want to sign and trade? Well, not quite yet. Not quite? Um, okay. You know, again, once we meet with the with the agent and get a better feel for where he's at okay. and, you know, see it, see if it aligns with us, then How much uh, money does we'll have a better want? feel for that. Okay. Hey, that's when follow-ups actually work, and they <laughs> don't piss off the GM. So that's nice. You kept going at it, saying, okay, so you're ready to receive calls now. Dan Morgan said, not quite yet. So it seems like, Wes, a lot on Brian Burns' future does depend on this meeting that they're about to have where they're going to explore all their options, and then we'll see how happy both parties leave that meeting. Yeah, it sounds to me like how much money do you want? That's all it sounds like. That's all I heard from those comments. And if Brian Burns comes in and says that he wants maybe that 30 burger, then I think Dan Morgan may be saying, okay, it's time for us to send you somewhere else because we don't necessarily think that you're worth that. And maybe we get into that a little bit more tomorrow asking, uh, you know, do we really feel like the Panthers believe uh, in this guy? Because we know what's Nick Bosa. We know that the 49ers believe in him, but at the same time, it still took them a while before they got his deal done. We don't know how complicated things were or what held it up, but it took an awful long time uh, for them to get his deal done. And so for Brian Burns, you know, I think at this point, after you've gone through a full year of this, I think maybe they want to check back in with him and see if his temperature is still the same. Does he still want the same number he wanted before last season? Because, uh, you know, just guesstimating reckless speculation is that, you know, the numbers were down uh, from last season. And so maybe the Panthers are in hopes of like, okay, maybe he's come down off the number that he originally wanted. But if Brian Burns has not, then I think that's going to be an issue. And I think that they probably will move on from him uh, and try to make a deal that will get them back up in the first round. Reverend Herbaceous says, can't trade a guy not under contract. So, yeah, too early to explore trading. That's true. But there clearly is a tag and trade potential here, Mm -hmm. just like there is with T. Higgins, with all options being on the table. And so the fact that you could have a franchise tag and then explore those trades – it means Dan right. Morgan would still pick up the phone call from a GM yeah. that might be looking to say, hey, what are y'all thinking? If y'all did this, then this is what we could offer. So 50-50 on what happens with Brian Burns, somewhere in that realm. Who knows? A lot of options they could still roll with. I do think Dan Morgan was leaning a certain way when talking about another free agent they have in Frankie Luvu. Here's Dan Morgan on their linebacker. That is the number one rated linebacker, according to a lot of NFL publications. You know, we have all intentions on re-signing Frankie. Uh, We love Frankie. Um, You know, he embodies what a Panther is. Uh, He's tough. He's got that dog mentality that we talk about. Uh, Nothing's guaranteed in this league, but we are going to try to extend him. Number one rated linebacker. That is a free agent, just to clarify. And there's Dan Morgan rolling with that dog mentality. Dan's dogs. I could see that group becoming a thing. Will Frankie be a part of it? It feels like the former linebacker himself wants to bring Frankie Luvu back as much as possible. Wes, 
I would go ahead and make that prediction that he'll be back with Carolina and I don't see him going with a different team. It could be a crazy bidding war. We'll see. But I think Dan absolutely wants to make it a pretty high priority to keep him on this defense. Uh, I went into this process pretty confident that the Panthers were going to be able to resign him. But then the more things that I read, the more things that I see, and we'll, we'll get into this probably a little bit more in depth later too, is that the only thing that's going to be interesting, man, is how much does he love and believe in the Carolina Panthers? That's what it's going to come down to. I think the Panthers are going to be competitive with the salary that they offer him, but it's going to come down to, you know, how much does he believe in this process? How much does he believe that this team can get on the right track? Because when you're the number one, one of the top free agents, you know, if he goes and takes a visit to Dallas or he goes and takes a visit to Pittsburgh or he goes to one of these contenders, what's to keep him from going somewhere else for him to say, hey, man, I want to win. I've been in this league for a while now. He's played for the Jets and the Panthers. And he's probably like, man, I'm ready to win some games. And I think that's the only thing that's scary about this situation is that, you know, if he sees that that greener grass on the other side and he can go to a team that's going to be a playoff contender, you never know what's going to happen from year to year. But, I mean, if he goes to Dallas, let's just say he took a trip there or Dallas really is courting him like that. And when you factor in everything that encompasses being a member of the Cowboys on top of the fact that they're going to be an NFC contender yet again, that's going to be hard to compete with for the Panthers. So I think with Frankie Louvu, I'm 50-50 on if he's going to be back at this point because I just wonder how much does he believe in this process? How much does he want to be a part of this process? Because being a part of the Jets and the Panthers to this point, he hasn't done a lot of winning. And I just wonder how much he would be itching to go to a team to where he has a chance to really compete. That's fair. I do think that if it's 50-50 where if he leaves Carolina – then it wouldn't be because Dan Morgan didn't do everything he yeah, possibly could to keep Yeah, I think they're going to do it, and they're going to have to. It, it would be Frankie deciding, man, I really want out of here. And and I don't get that feeling from Frankie. Like, at the end of the day, Matt Rule, you could still hear, <laughs> you could still see Frankie wanting to stay with Carolina because the Panthers are the team that believed in him enough to give him another shot after he got bounced by the Jets. And I know it doesn't always work like that. If there's another team willing to give him three, four million more a year than what Carolina is willing to do, then okay, that would make sense with him leaving. But I do think he wants to be in Carolina, and I think Dan Morgan is going to do everything he can to make that happen. Coach Polly says, Walker, praying mantises are safe to pick up. Yeah, just the pinchers that they have scares me a little bit, and I'm usually one that will get my Steve Irwin on, and that one just scares me a little too much. Panther fan stand says praying mantises are atheists. That is the comment of the day. Yeah. People really like that one. And final one. Here's bagel guy saying, Hey, here's a question for the text line. Tell us your Steve Irwin moment. We've had this one before. I remember it being one of my favorite questions that we asked the text line and it was like a year ago. So let's bring it back. We can recycle that content. 704-570-9610. What is a wild encounter that you've had with an animal in your past? What is your Steve Irwin moment? We'll read your text on the other side of the break, 704-570-9610. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. with some useful information on the text line. It was Steve Irwin's birthday just six days ago. It makes sense that we would have this discussion at this time of year. I didn't realize that, but happy birthday to Steve Irwin, man. R.I.P. You talk about something everybody could agree on. Maybe you thought he was crazy, but the dude was about as nice as you could possibly get. And if you're trying to save gators at the expense of your life at that kind of risk, you're all right in my book, man. Crazy, but very cool, Steve Irwin. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in on the FanDuel text line. Uh, Chef Chad writes in with his Steve Irwin moment. He said, last summer, picking up a copperhead in my yard and relocating it to the woods, I picked him up with a rake and tongs. I was terrified the whole time. Man, Chad, you got to be careful with copperheads, dude. I know you had a rake, but picking up a copperhead... That that seems yeah, like tripping. they're talking about you, Chef Chad, when they say don't try this at home. Call the professional. They are directly talking to you. So that's something that's scary. And then we can keep scrolling with some of the other Steve Irwin moments that people are writing in. I'm scrolling. We have more praying mantises facts. NC State Jake and Big Cat Dan says praying mantises are closely related to cockroaches and termites. And 704 said, I wish Steve Irwin could save the Florida Gators. Rather than actual Woo. gators back in the day. You're going to need something to save you with that schedule next year. It's a fire text. Yeah. I really like that one. All right, we can move on. Fiddy, we have a surprise. Do you have the open ready for the surprise planned for this segment? He says yes. Go ahead and hit it for the first time this year. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s first mock draft of the season. With the first, second, third pick. In the NFL draft, here comes the commissioner. It's the first mock draft melee of the season. Mel Kuyper released a mock draft. The GOAT, the guy that created mock drafts, he has one out, and he has Chicago taking Caleb Williams number one overall. Not so surprising, even if there is a debate there on Chicago keeping Justin Fields or whether they should select Caleb Williams with that number one overall pick. But this is where the draft gets really exciting, right there at number two. He has Washington taking Jaden Daniels. He has New England taking Drake May. This is where we see the run of receivers. Arizona takes Marvin Harrison at number four. L.A., the Chargers take J.C. Lathan, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. Romeo Adunze, or Rome Adunze, goes to the Giants at number six. Joe Alt, the tackle from Notre Dame, goes to Tennessee at seven. Dallas Turner, the off, the outside linebacker, the edge rusher, goes to Atlanta at number eight. Chicago takes Malik Neighbors, wide receiver out of LSU at number nine. And then just to close out the top ten, Brock Bowers, Georgia tight end, goes to the Jets to finish out the top ten. Any of those names 
stick out to you, Wes, as your favorite or most surprising? You could go with the quarterbacks up at the top or maybe some of the skill position players that were drafted also to close out the top 10. Who do you like? Who do you think is surprising? Uh, you know, Brock Bowers at 10. This was a guy that most of the year coming into last season was projected as a top five uh, selection. So I think that with workouts, he could maybe boost his stock. I mean, his stock is already high, but if he really comes out and lights it up in a workout, I think this could be a guy that could end up going uh, higher than 10. I think that he could be a guy that could potentially get into that five or six range, especially if a team gets really hot for him. Uh, again, like I said, if he just blows up his workout, if he does something crazy like a mid to high 4-4, uh, something like that. Other than that, this is pretty par for the course. Um, I think the two and three spots, that's going to be the most interesting spot of this draft. It's going to come down to Drake May and Jaden Daniels, I think, for two and three. How's that going to look with them competing against each other in pre-draft workouts and uh, different scenarios like that? But other than that, man, it's, it's pretty much uh, what I expected. I don't know if I can go with the most surprising pick because it makes sense for every single one of these teams on who they select. I guess Atlanta is the one where it's the most wild cardy to me because they could honestly, they're in a pretty decent spot. If you're not going to address quarterback and you're going to try to address it in free agency or on the trade market, you just take whoever you want here. They have an edge rusher wide receiver. You don't need, even if it is a wide receiver, strong class, but you could still take a neighbors if he's there, if you want to, which That's is good. the case here. And that would be, that'd be crazy. Like I, I know we're not supposed to be scared of Atlanta, but if they were to have a Kirk cousins and we're trying to say, okay, we could compete with them this year and next year. If you think Carolina could be on the fast track to do so, that is a crazy offense to try to keep up with. Well, I think Atlanta's pick is telling as well. I think if you're Atlanta and you pick a defensive player right there, then I think that means you probably got your quarterback already. I did see the footage uh, this morning of Justin Fields celebrating in his house about something, and people were speculating what that could be. I know Atlanta has become the betting favorite, and they said they took his odds off of the board, so they said something could be mm. imminent uh, with Justin Fields. So we'll see. Uh, maybe something happens during this show. We get to break news sounder but I think if they do end up taking a defensive player there I think it's because they've gotten a quarterback uh, that they're looking for. They haven't had an edge rusher I think you're scared of since Vic Beasley for like one season right. that was it too so that would make a lot of sense but even offensively it, that's the thing about Atlanta is they're just outside of that quarterback territory they're not going to have Jaden Daniels Drake May or certainly Caleb Williams so Free agency QB and then a weapon defensively, offensively, that could really help. Let's focus on that quarterback position a little more. Okay. So Caleb Williams goes number one. We can have that conversation down the road on whether Justin Fields should be there or Caleb should be the pick. Mm -hmm. Jaden Daniels, Drake May seems like that's going to be the hottest topic of NFL draft season. Who is the quarterback that should go first between those two? Here's what Mel Kiper writes on Jaden Daniels going number two to Washington. I'm sticking with Daniels here over Drake May, though it's tight. Several NFL teams have May over Daniels on their boards two months out from the start of round one. I love Daniels' fit with the commander's offense. He's the, uh, remember the OC is Cliff Kingsbury. He'll run a wide open offense and put his quarterback in the best position to succeed. Washington already has two really good and young wideouts in Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. So Daniels and Kingsbury would be able to start quickly. Daniels made a massive leap during his time at LSU developing into a top-tier passer and runner. I can't wait to watch him at the next level. So Jaden Daniels going to Washington. I forget that Kingsbury is the OC there. It's not like he did an amazing job with Kyler Murray. Wes, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. 
Drake May and Jaden Daniels going number two and three, presumably. Things could change, but if that's how it was here with this hypothetical, what team would you rather be drafted to? Would you rather go to Washington with Kingsbury as your offensive coordinator? Or would you rather go to New England, who doesn't have Bill Belichick there anymore? But it's still a historic franchise, certainly within the last 30 years or so. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because you're not sure what you're going to get from uh, Gerard Mayo. I mean, I think he's going to do a good job there. It is New England, like I said. Um, Man, I guess I would say I would. That's a tough question. I'm just going to say I'd rather go to the Commanders. I'd say that. I'd pick Washington. Yeah, I would pick that as well. I mean, they've got a lot of new stuff to like. Uh, they, I saw they're getting the $75 million in renovations done to the stadium. Uh, you talk about the new ownership, the new energy that they have there. Again, Cliff Kingsbury, who I think as an offensive coordinator, I think that's a good spot for him. I mean, we know he's not a head coach, but I think as an offensive coordinator, his um, you know his track record is pretty good because I've been a big fan of Jaden Daniels since I saw him at Arizona State when he was a true freshman. Uh, you could see a lot of the tools and a lot of the things that you saw at LSU, but then once he got with you know a QB guy like Brian Kelly, man, he really took off. But I mean, you look at his freshman year, true freshman went 17 touchdowns to two picks uh, at Arizona State playing for Herb. Uh, and those guys, Herm Edwards and those guys. So uh, I've been a big fan of Daniels. And again, he fits that criteria of a guy that's played a ton of football. Uh, When you want a guy that's going to come in season, I mean, he threw almost 1,500 passes in his collegiate career. So uh, threw for over 12,000 yards. So he's got the requisite seasoning to come in and be able to pick up an NFL offense. We know the elements that he gives you with his feet. His main thing for him is just going to be protecting his body. Uh, he's very similar to RG3. When RG3 came out, I, I compared their games a lot. But, you know, for him, it's just going to be can he protect himself because he does have a reckless style of play. He's not afraid of a linebacker, a DB. And uh, like Trevor Lawrence told some guys before, they, they hit different up here. Yeah, they so you do. might want to watch that. So just <laughs> for the Carolina Panthers angle, before we move on to the next hour, you have a couple of tackles going at 23 and 24 to Houston and Dallas. There's Keon Coleman at 26 going to Tampa Bay. Also, Green Bay's taking a tackle, too. So tackles are flying off the board in this range. Wide receivers, the same thing. Buffalo at 28 takes Brian Thomas Jr. You have Kansas City taking wide receiver Xavier Worthy out of Texas. A.D. Mitchell still on the board. Mm-hmm. Lad McConkey still on the board. So those are a couple of guys that Carolina could be looking to take at number 33. We can continue to discuss it as the show goes on. I do want to hear your Steve Irwin moment, though. 704-570-9610. We're getting some good texts. We can read those on the other side and as the show goes on as well. Get your Steve Irwin on here today on Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.